Hey, everybody. How you doing? And welcome to the John Riley Project. This is episode number 157, and we are live streaming on Facebook Live. We're on YouTube live streaming simultaneously. It's a it's a simulcast like Chick Hearn doing the Lakers games on the radio and the TV at the same time. I think Bill King did that for the 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 warriors back in the day as well. So yeah, we're simulcasting on the live stream and, and we welcome your input, your comments, your questions. That's part of the reason why we love doing these podcasts in a live stream. And man, we're going to really get into some of president Trump's recent comments, calling the war dead losers and suckers. And I mean, people are are aghast by these comments and I'm going to kind of dive in and break it down. And we're going to look at, what President Trump said and what he said in the past. And we're going to look at, you know, the whole idea of win-win versus win-lose versus lose-win. I think this is a very interesting concept, um, particularly as it pertains to Trump, but also in the way you kind of look at life moving forward. I think there's a lot of benefits to looking through this type of a lens, and I'm going to really kind of break it down for you. So thanks again for listening and watching. And, you know, we're posting this up on all the audio podcast platforms. This will be posted shortly today up on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you happen to get your podcasts. So uh, thanks for all of you that are also listening as well as watching on YouTube and on Facebook. So anyways, um, before we dive in and kind of get into all the Trump business, um, I just want to say, hey, we had a great podcast on Wednesday. A couple of days ago, we had Poway City Council candidate Frank Fournier joined us. And man, it was a really good conversation. It was meant to originally be about an hour, but we were just kind of feeling good and went almost two hours in that conversation. So if you are a voter um, in Poway, especially if you're a voter in South Poway in District 4, I encourage you to take a look at that podcast with Frank Fournier. And, you know, there are three people running in that race. It's going to be Frank, as well as Chris Olps, who was a previous guest on this podcast, and Kaylin Frank, the incumbent, who also was a previous guest on this podcast. Um, so I invite you to check that out. There were some great questions offered by the audience. And thank you to everyone that participated in that. We had we had some fun with it. And I think there were some really good questions asked by the audience. And Frank, I thought, came off as a pretty solid character. I think a lot of people were interested in learning more about Frank. They didn't know him. They Many people knew Kalen Frank, the incumbent. They know Chris Olps, the, the challenger, but they didn't really know Frank. So I think that podcast was terrific. And just so you know, there is an open invitation for any political candidate. I don't care if you're running for, you know, dog catcher or if you're running for county supervisor or mayor or city council, school board, president of the United States, you're running for U.S. Senate. It doesn't need to necessarily be here in my hometown of Poway, but especially candidates in San Diego County. We'd love to have you participate on this podcast. And I think it's a great opportunity for the voters to get to know you. It's a great opportunity for you as a candidate to get your message out. And we like to have these long form podcast conversations. And I'm kind of modeling this whole idea off of the Rubin Report. I don't know if you ever had a chance to listen or watch Dave Rubin's podcast. He's done a great job. Just like me, he set up his podcast uh, studio in his house 
And he's done a great job. And he was one of my inspirations in starting my own podcast. So love doing it with political candidates. It gives us a, a jumping off point to talk about so many issues with current news and, and in our local society and culture. And, and they're just fascinating conversations. So, yeah, Frank joined us last Wednesday. And then on Monday, um, on September 7th, we'll have Phil Factor and he'll be coming back. Phil is another Poway City Council candidate running in District 2. And he joined us on the podcast about a month ago or so when he made his announcement. Um, and he'll be coming back again and we're going to break down some more issues, get an update on his candidacy. And, you know, we're getting right into the hot and heavy of election season, especially when absentee pallets are coming out in early October. People are making their voting decisions in the month of September. So love having this kind of conversation with local political candidates. And, you know, we're starting to get into this rhythm Monday, Wednesday, Friday at about two o'clock. And and here we are. It's Friday. We got started a few minutes late, but we're going to be sticking with a two o'clock Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule as long as I can stick with it. And so I'm kind of biting off more than I can chew, perhaps, you know, committing to that schedule. But I'm going to really push myself and challenge myself to follow through on this. And that's for me. This is one of my selfish motivations in doing this podcast is that it's a challenge. Challenge for me. It's a way to improve me, and um, and I enjoy the, the I enjoy this whole concept, this whole project where I get to meet so many interesting people, be able to express my views like I'm going to do today. So we're going to try to stick to that Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule at 2 p.m. I've got a couple of other political candidates here locally that we're trying to figure out a time and a date. I don't want to pre-announce it, so I don't jinx it, but I'm hoping to have some more candidates on board. If you're interested or you want to refer a candidate to this podcast, you reach out to me on my website at johnreillyproject.com. I'm also active on Twitter. My handle there is John Riley Poway. And I also have the John Riley Project Facebook page. So I enjoy uh, I would enjoy for you to reach out to me there as well. Um, I'm also really pleased to announce that, um, you know, my my podcast is actually going to be one of the sponsors, one of the co-sponsors of a candidate forum here in Poway. We're co-sponsoring this um, with the South and North Poway Votes Facebook page. And in conjunction with the League of Women Voters, who are going to uh, moderate this, it'll be just like the candidate debates that we've had here in Poway. Uh, but instead, it's going to be online. And so just really pleased that I've been able to participate as a sponsor on this. And we're going to have... Um, on September 10th um, at 7 p.m. will be the Poway Unified School District uh, Trustee District E. That's the district that represents the southern part of Poway and Sabre Springs. We have two candidates there, both former um, you know, guests here on the podcast, Jimmy Karam and Cindy Seitzma. And so they'll be joining us um, on that candidate forum, and that'll be on to September 10th at 7. And then the Poway City Council has two different district races for districts 2 and 4. That will be on September 11th at 7 p.m. So that's coming up next week, and I think that's going to be terrific as well. So that'll be 
gosh, that'll be Thursday and Friday of next week. So, um, and that, if you can get links to that, if you go to my website, yeah, I think, do I have it on my website yet? I don't think I've posted it there, but it's on my Facebook page. If you go to the John Riley Project Facebook page, there are links there where you can go to the League of Women Voters and you can pre-register because they're going to have a limited number of, of, of um, participants from the public. And you'll be able to ask questions of these candidates. It will all be filtered through the League of Women Voters who will then ask those questions to those candidates. So it should be a fun you know, candidate debate where you're not really dependent on the the moderator to ask everything. You can ask the questions. You can hold these candidates' feet to the fire. I think it's going to be a great event. So, hope you can join us there. Um, so yeah, let's let's get into this whole concept of President Trump. And the news came out. It was either yesterday or the day before, and he was calling the the. Um, Americans who died in war, losers and suckers. And boy, this really hit the news. And apparently this was, you know, these these were comments that were made a few years ago, but now are starting to come forward. Not sure why. I don't know. Is it because it's political season and they're choosing to bring this bombshell forward? But this is just a fascinating conversation. So let me kind of break down a little bit of this article from The Atlantic, and I'll have the um, the show notes. We'll have the link to this article. And the author was Jeffrey Goldberg, a very well-respected journalist. And he said, when President Trump canceled a visit to the – I can't pronounce this, a French name uh, – Eisen Marne American Cemetery near Paris in 2018. Forgive me, you're going to probably shoot me over my French. Um, But the American Cemetery near Paris in 2018, um, Trump blamed the rain for his last minute decision, saying the helicopter couldn't fly and the Secret Service wouldn't drive him there. And that's why he didn't want to attend the um, service at the American Cemetery. Apparently, neither claim was true. Trump went on to reject the idea of the visit because he feared his hair would become disheveled in the rain and because he did not believe it to be an important to honor the American war dead. According to four people with firsthand knowledge of the discussion that day, in a conversation with senior staff members on the morning of the scheduled visit, Trump said, why should I go to that cemetery? It's filled with losers. In a separate conversation on the same trip, Trump referred to more than 1,800 Marines who lost their lives at Bellawood as suckers for getting killed. And oh, my God. So first of all, this is this is a secondhand account there. There were four different people that that confirmed this story to be true. Is it on video? Is it on audio? Probably not. If it was, I'm sure we'd be hearing all about it. But now people are saying, did Trump really say that? I mean, it's an insane thing for American presidential candidate to talk about the troops, to talk about those killed fighting for America as losers, as as suckers. And I know there's a lot of Trump uh, supporters that deny it. And of course, Trump denied it, said it wasn't true. They patently say it's false. But really, what do you think? I mean, do you, does this hold some credible weight? Can you imagine Trump actually saying this? And I think I can. And, and let me just go on to say that from this article, 
Trump's understanding of concepts such as patriotism, service, and sacrifice has interested me, and the, me is the reporter, Jeffrey Goldstein, has interested me since he expressed contempt of the war record of the late Senator John McCain, who spent more than five years as a prisoner of the North Vietnamese. He's not a war hero, Trump said in 2015 while running for the Republican nomination for president. I like people who weren't captured. Well, Trump definitely said that. I think we've many of us have seen that video when Trump was a candidate for the GOP nomination in 2015. Um, and in the article, just I'll read the final portion of this before we really break it all down. Um, he can't fathom the idea of doing something for someone other than himself. One of Kelly's friends, a retired four-star general, told me. So this is a four-star general commenting about Trump saying he can't fathom the idea of doing something for someone other than himself. He just thinks that anyone who does anything when there's no direct personal gain to be had is a sucker. There's no money in serving the nation, Kelly's friend went on to say. Trump can't imagine anyone else's pain. That's why he would say this to the father of a fallen Marine on Memorial Day in the cemetery where he's buried. And that that's something, man. And, and well, th this is deep. This is thick. And there's a lot going on here with this idea, what Trump said, what the, how the military responded, how the people responded to this whole thing. It's easy just to say, oh, my God, Trump called the um, the military losers and suckers. But again, we're going to peel some layers of the onion back and really look at this a little more closely, because um, I think it's incredible because it touches on so much with morality, uh, what we believe to be virtuous. Um, this is a very interesting topic to discuss. Um, of course, Trump said he never called McCain a loser. And we all know that to be false because he said it in one of those um, moments where he's being interviewed on a couch in front of a small audience. The, it was the moment was captured on video. Um, and he said that, you know, I like people who weren't captured. Trump said at an Iowa summit during his presidential campaign in 2015. I don't like losers. So he did call Senator McCain, a loser. Um, he did say that he prefer, he doesn't think he's a war hero. Um, and Trump made at least one other false claim in his denial. He said he had never called McCain a loser. In fact, he did so at a 2015 event in Iowa on camera saying of McCain's defeat in the 2008 presidential election. I never liked him as much after that because I don't like losers. So, we know that President Trump referred to McCain as a loser, not as a war hero. So when you hear these comments that he he said similar things about the war dead, American war dead in France, I would imagine from both World War One and World War Two. Did Trump really say it? And I think you can it, it's it's very plausible given what he said about McCain when people say he said this about 1,800 troops that were buried in a cemetery outside Paris, you're thinking, yeah, I mean, he possibly could say it. Of course, we'll never be able to 100% confirm it because we don't have it on audio or video. But four separate people confirm this, including four-star generals, that these comments were made. And so, you know, did he really say it? I, 
my instinct says, yeah, he probably did. He probably did say it. But it's interesting because President Trump sees the world as a win-lose game. And you'll notice that because he's very quick to call people losers, you know, whether they are his for, so people that supported him then suddenly stop supporting him, he'll immediately dismiss them as a loser. The candidates that he, he beat in the election, um, whether it was for the GOP nomination or in for the, um, you know, and beating Hillary, he'll refer to them as losers. And yet technically they did lose the election, but it's almost like his way of showing that he is superior, that he kind of feels more like a winner by putting other people down as a loser. So he very much sees the world as a win-lose game, as a um, a fixed sum game. And the more he can show other people as losers, it makes him feel much more like a winner. And we see this in a lot of other cases. You, you've seen cases of his business dealings where he has screwed over contractors that have helped him in the real estate, in construction, where they were supposed to be paid and they weren't paid. Um, he screwed them out of the contractual arrangement, effectively making them losers so Trump could win. So, again, he sees the world that way as a win-lose um, uh a win-lose paradigm. And I think this is reflective of a very low self-esteem. If someone is claiming that other people are losers, it's it's a reflection of how you feel about yourself. And um, I think we're seeing that. But it's still, it's hard to believe that a politician, especially in this day and age, a time where people are so... Um, respectful of the military, especially veterans. I mean, here in Poway, we're talking about building veterans housing, you know, because of people are so sympathetic, so supportive of veterans because they made the ultimate sacrifice, especially those that lost. Um, it's amazing that a presidential candidate would disparage the military. And we know Trump has done that with with Senator McCain. And he's done that with other um, uh, other people. Um, George H.W. Bush, he commented negatively about his war service. Um, it's just incredible. And he he's a candidate that claims that he's a big supporter of veterans, claims that he is a big supporter of the VA, and he's going to do everything he can to help the troops because America first. But then he's disparaging troops, disparaging Americans, in this case, calling them losers, calling them suckers because they lost uh, their life in a battle. Um, so it, it, it's amazing. Um, but, you know, Trump said these things in 2015 about President McCain. I mean, excuse me, Senator McCain. He said these things about John McCain in 2015, that McCain wasn't a war hero and that he was a loser. And he still won the election. And to me, I'm, I'm still befuddled by that because especially Republicans who are just so... Um, patriotic, generally speaking, and so over the top supportive of troops that they ended up voting and supporting and ultimately electing a candidate that was calling out a serviceman that was a prisoner of war as a loser and not a war hero. I mean, 20 years ago, this would be almost 
um, sacrilegious to make such comments. But here's a candidate that not only made the comments, made the comments where lots of people were aghast by it. It made headline news and he still won. So then you're wondering, well, has the morality of America shifted? Has has our view of the troops and of veterans and of those that have lost their life fighting in battle? Has our morality, our perspective, our point of view changed or is President Trump just the leader of a cult, (laughs) which I think has something to do with it, because I think. It seems like these elections, 2016, especially 2020, people aren't necessarily supportive of Trump more so that they are just against Biden. And the same thing is true on the other side. People aren't necessarily as supportive of Biden as they are against Trump. And I think that's how this whole election plays out. So it seems like it doesn't matter what they um, say as long as they are not the other guy. Um, now, I just got a, a comment here from Arjun Nagarjan, excuse me, if I pronounced that incorrectly. He says, are you reading this? Can I say something? Yes, you can say something. We are taking questions on the live stream from Facebook Live and YouTube Live. And, I'll, you know, barring something that's not utterly outrageous, I will read your question on the air and attempt to comment or answer it to the best of my ability. No, I'm not. Well, I'm reading excerpts from the article from The Atlantic, but I'm uh, commenting on this and I've got a couple of notes here as I scroll through this. So um, it's an interesting way to think of this is veterans that died to that died in battle. um, They lost their life. That's true, obviously. But are they losers? You know, and when, when Trump makes that comment, he's really making like a character judgment. He's really disparaging them as having a lower... Um, you know, a lower value, you know, a, a lower character. And um, I'm of the opinion if if a person entered the military of their own free will, okay, they weren't forced in, they went into the military because they believed in what they were doing. They believed either in America and what America represents, and they believed in defending the country. They went in Maybe it was in a wartime effort and they believed in defending America and and defeating the Germans or defeating the Japanese or defeating the North Vietnamese or defeating the communists or whatever it is. If they went in to the military because of what they believed in, well, I think that's a win. I mean, they're, they're fighting for their own values. So um, I think did they sacrifice? Well, I think they made a choice. I think they made a choice on what they believed in. And now they ultimately, some of them did lose their life, which is a form of sacrifice, but they're not losers. They're absolutely not losers. Absolutely not suckers. Now, if they were drafted into the military against their will, then that's a whole other topic, you know, because if they are then forced into it and then lost their life, for fighting for a cause they didn't believe in, then that's a that's a completely different category. And Trump, by the way, escaped the draft, I guess, because of bone spurs. And it's interesting to see it from his perspective. But it's incredible that a presidential candidate, an incumbent presidential candidate, and not some you know person from the wacky left, from the extreme left. Um, 
you might expect to maybe hear that from that side, but we're hearing it from the right. I mean, usually from the Republicans, from the right wing, from the conservatives. Well, Trump really isn't a conservative. He's a populist. Um, But it's interesting hearing it from his side because they are the ones that are usually so over the top respectful of the military, respectful of veterans, especially the war dead. Um, Arjun makes a few comments, and I'll read his comments here on the air, as I promised I would. I agree with what you said. The reason why Trump has massive support, despite what he has said, is because media has taken what he said out of context most of the time. I feel people are realizing this. I know more people support Trump despite the backlash is because media just isn't fair or unbiased anymore. So no matter what claims media puts on Trump, people aren't buying it. How come Obama wasn't put in a bad light like he was about his war crimes? And okay, yeah, the media is biased. It doesn't matter. Every media outlet has a bias. I don't care if you're MSNBC or CNN or Fox News or NPR, if you're the New York Times, the San Francisco Chronicle. I mean, we can go down the list. Even the media that claim not to be biased, like Associated Press, have bias. Um, Sometimes bias is based on what you say. You know, you may purposely slant a news story one way or the other. But sometimes bias is on what you don't say. You know, you might purposely leave out opposing sides of an argument. Right now, often the, the, the media will show one side and sometimes show the other side. But frequently, there's more than two sides to a story. There may be a third or a fourth perspective, and those sides are never shown. Um, that's indicative of the way the whole system is set up. It's red and blue and Republican and Democrat and left and right and, and uh, conservative and liberal. And we're so programmed to be binary when, in fact, there are third, fourth, fifth, fifth. There are many other perspectives that aren't shown. Every media is biased. Is the media biased of Trump? Yes. Is the media biased of Obama? Yes. Um, Does the media condemn one more than the other? Yeah, probably. But President Trump says so many utterly outrageous things that it makes sense that the media is going to respond. And, And when he picks fights with the media, like he has been doing with CNN, CNN fights back. I mean, you go on there. I remember back in the day, CNN was I used to think of them some time ago as sort of the neutral or not really even neutral, more like the status quo, you know, the establishment, the the basic news, if you want to call it that. And Fox was right and MSNBC was left. But now as Trump has been attacking CNN more and more then they've been shifting more anti-Trump. Interesting how that shakes out. But um, yeah, th- does Trump get things taken out of context? Yeah, but so does Obama. Um, they all do. And does Trump maybe get more than other presidential candidates? Well, it seems like every president in my lifetime has been getting more and more and more escalated attention from the media because the media has become more and more polarized. The media has become more and more aggressive. The media has become more and more about opinion 
rather than journalism. And and Trump, by his very nature, is a guy that creates a lot of friction and stirs the pot and is going to create chaos, which is part of his 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 strategy. So, of course, the media is going to be calling him out on stuff. I'm doing it right now in this podcast. And frankly, it's warranted. So, um, yeah. And to President Obama, how come he wasn't put in a bad light through because of his war crimes? Great question. Um, President Obama um, violated the Fourth Amendment by um, ratcheting up the NSA surveillance. He was called out by Edward Snowden uh, for violating the Fourth Amendment. Um, he quickly you know, ratcheted back that program, a program that was, by the way, started by George W. Bush and the Republicans. But Obama expanded on it. And you'll see that a lot where the Republicans and Democrats try to present themselves as very different when, in fact, they're very similar, um, far more similar than they are different. Um, but, yeah, so sometimes the the media will give certain you know, candidates have passed other times not. I mean, heck, in the 2015 election cycle, when President Trump was a candidate uh, for the GOP nomination, he got unlimited free media coverage. Whenever he spoke, um, they just put a camera on the podium and he would talk and he'd be able to say whatever he wanted to say unfiltered. And it was covered. And yeah, sure, there was response and comments. But I think in many ways, President Trump got very favorable coverage in the GOP nomination in 2015 because other candidates that I think were very worthy candidates that were on that stage were snuffed out. Trump, they say, sucked all the oxygen out of the room because the media loved covering him because he created so much in ratings that it lined the pockets of the media and they were following their own financial interests. So the whole thing is just kind of a mess. But um, Arjun goes on to say his supporters buy it and lose even a little bit of trust that they have in the media. Yeah. So um, President Trump, he, Arjun says uh, Trump is exactly smart that way. He actually plays the media like a fiddle. He grabs the attention from the media and backlashes them, says it's fake. Trump. It's interesting. In some cases, Trump plays the media. He will. In other cases, the media will attack Trump, in my opinion, often very rightfully so. But Trump likes that. He likes the attention. It's kind of like what they say. There's no such thing as bad publicity. And the more negative publicity he gets, the more it reinforces his own supportive base. And the more they stick with them and the more cult like the Trump base becomes. Um, So, you know, we're going into this election and there's way less undecided voters. In fact, I was listening to a podcast from Reason. Uh, Nick Gillespie was interviewing someone and he said that at this point in 2016, about 20 percent of the voters were undecided between Trump and Clinton. But now in 2020, it was like. Was it 6% or 8% were undecided? You know, we've gotten more and more divided, more and more partisan, more and more um, separated. And these candidates play off of it. And Trump likes the negative attention. It's part of his game. Um, Is he sometimes he's playing the media and other times the media is skewering him. It goes both directions. It's a battle. Sometimes you see the press conferences with his new press secretary and people love her 
because she gets up on that podium and just kicks ass. And that's what they like about her. And that's what a lot of people like about Trump is that he's going to go around and kick some ass. It's not so much what the policies are about. It's about defeating the other side. That's why I said most most Trump supporters aren't really Trump supporters as much as they are anti-liberal, anti-Democrat, anti-Hillary, anti-Biden, anti-Obama. And the same is true the other way. Most supporters of Biden really aren't in love with Biden. They just want to defeat Trump. Um, and it plays both ways. Um, OK, so <laughs> Arjun, thank you for your comments. And I invite any of you to share your thoughts and, co- and comments here on the live stream. We're taking the comments on Facebook, on YouTube, and I'm happy to chime in and we can kind of play a little back and forth. But the real reason I wanted to do this podcast was to get into the whole idea of you know, when Trump calls these um, military that lost their life as losers, I want to get into the whole idea of what it means to be a winner versus a loser, a win-win outcome, a win-lose outcome, a lose-win outcome. And I want to kind of go through that because I think this is an important way to see the world, to see politics to see the business world for for sure, and also to judge President Trump through this lens. So, um, oh goodness, where do my notes go on my my tablet here? And I think I accidentally closed my document. Come on. Okay. Here we go. All right. Um, but before we jump into that, I just want to ask you, just want to remind you, if you could like the podcast, um, you can like our Facebook page. Um, you can subscribe to our YouTube page. Um, please also like these uh, posts that we're doing. And I'm not doing it because I want my ego to be stroked. I'm doing it because it helps in the algorithm. It helps us show up more on searches. Um, certainly in YouTube search, the more subscribers we have, the more likes of our videos. Videos, the higher we rank in the recommended videos. So um, your support is really helpful. It's helpful in the algorithm to really kind of raise awareness of this podcast because I'm working to grow my audience and, and you're part of the audience. So this is a great way for, again, a win-win, right? Um, you can help me by supporting the podcast and I can help you by providing content that I'm doing now, particularly local content here in the San Diego area, and and also providing an opportunity for you to engage and and continue the conversation. Um, Now, let's get into this whole notion of seeing the world as win-win versus win-lose or lose-win. And a lot of this kind of comes down to morality and the things that we're taught as a young person. And, you know, when you're A young person, maybe a child, your mom might tell you, you know, really think of other people first. You know, think of don't think of yourself first. Think because that would be selfish. Instead, think of other people and put them first. And they'd say that. But did they really mean that? Did your parents really mean that you should self-sacrifice and put the needs of other people ahead of your own? Sounds good. Um, In some cases, that might make sense. But really, your parents often want what's best for you. They don't don't want you to be selfish in terms of being a liar, a cheater, a stealer. But they want you to seek what's in your own best interest. They want to see you prosper, see you grow and see you essentially flourish. 
Um, that's what parents typically want to see in their children. So it's interesting that we're taught as a young person to be to be selfless, to not think of yourself. And that creates this whole concept of, you know, if you're selfless, then you want to be pursuing a lose-win outcome. You want to think of someone else ahead of your own, so you're willing to take the loss so other people can win. That's what being selfless is really all about. That's truly what altruism is really all about. But the opposite, you know, because the opposite is, is evil, right? The opposite is being selfish. The opposite is being a liar, a cheater, a stealer. Um, that is the kind of selfishness that we all hate, that we all oppose. And so it's presented as um, being selfless or selfish because selfless people are for lose-win outcomes where they lose and the other person wins. The selfish people are for win-lose outcomes. They, they will win at the expense of other people. They are the lighter liars, the cheaters, the stealers. And um, it's a false dichotomy because those aren't the only two positions. There's a third position, and that's a position of, being, of pursuing win-win outcomes. Um, because in doing so, when you pursue win-win, it's about pursuing what's in your own self-interest, your own rational self-interest. Because being selfish, being a liar, a cheater, a stealer, that's not in your self-interest. That's self-destructive. That's going to harm you. People aren't going to want to be your friend. They aren't going to want to have a relationship with you. They aren't going to want to do business with you if you have a reputation as a liar, a cheater, or a stealer. So... A win-win outcome is one where both parties win, where you help them and they help you. And you both emerge from your relationship both better off, both winning. Um, and that's why, you know, this podcast is all I talk about. It, it's all about life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And that is very much aligned with this concept of win-win, because while you're out living your life according to your own values, making choices that are consistent with your perspective, that are making choices that are consistent with your own pursuit of happiness, you're pursuing a win outcome for you. But at the same time, other people have rights. Other people have individual rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And you can't violate their rights. Because that would be the lying, the cheating, and the stealing. So by embracing individual rights, our inalienable rights of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, you're pursuing what's good for you, but what also is good for them. What's good for you and what's good for the other guy. And that's the win-win outcome that is so important, so special. Um, but President Trump, <laughs> he doesn't see life as win-win. He sees it as win-lose. And that's what we saw in this case with these veterans. He sees the um uh he sees those other people as losers, you know, in this case veterans who lost their life defending America, fighting for America. He saw them as losers and he does it in a way to make him feel self him feel better about himself so he can be a winner. And that is the kind of selfishness that I think that we all despise in people and why Trump gets so much heat from a lot of others. In this case, I think rightfully so. 
Um, Arjun sharing more questions and, you know, feel free to ignore my questions. Arjun, I'm, thank you. I'm read some of your questions on the air. I'm trying to share my own points, trying to integrate questions at the same time, trying to do my best to create a win-win outcome for the two of us. So, um, Let's go on to say, um, why do you think there is a, Arjun asks, why do you think there is a rise in conservative movement nowadays? I would love to know your opinion. Example, walkaway movement or rising support for Trump within black communities. Well, first of all, Trump is not a conservative. I mean, look how much money he's spending. Um, He, even before COVID, he was dramatically increasing the spending by the federal government. He's not a fiscal conservative. And now we're getting into the COVID bailouts and the corporate bailouts and spending trillions and trillions of more dollars. He is absolutely not a fiscal conservative. The debt has been dramatically growing, even though he campaigned that he was going to pay off the entire national debt. Not just the deficit, but at the time, the entire $19 trillion debt in eight years. That was a lie. Uh, because even before COVID, he increased spending and um, and he did it because he wanted to gain favor. Um, so he's not a fiscal conservative. Is he a social conservative? Well, traditionally, a social conservative is someone that's been against gay rights. Um, is Trump against gay rights? It's, he may have made some comments about it, but that's not the driving force of what he's all about. Trump is a populist. He is a nationalist. That's not conservative. Conservatives are about free markets. Conservatives are about trade and, and free trade. Uh, Trump is for tariffs, increasing taxes on imports. Trump is about um, nationalism, which is America first rather than doing what's the right thing for the individual. Um, So Trump is not a conservative. So is there a rise in the conservative movement? I don't think so. I mean, is there a rise in a nationalist movement? Yes, definitely. But there is not necessarily a rise in a conservative movement. In fact, the conservatives that have traditionally been in the Republican Party have been driven out, Um, especially those that have that have gone against the grain, have gone against Trump. They have been pushed out. So um, Matthew Brannigan, thank you, Matthew, for joining in the conversation. Matthew said, you raised some good points, Arjun. So (laughs) it's a conversation going on between two of my viewers. Um, I'm sure John will be interested in addressing them, but perhaps in future podcasts. And yeah, I'll be happy to address these. In fact, I've commented on a lot of these topics in many of my previous podcasts. This is episode, what, 157. So I've been doing a lot of these. Um, I am, as you can probably tell, I'm not a Trump supporter at all. I'm also not a Democrat or a supporter of Biden or a supporter of Obama. I'm, a, I'm independent. Um, and I'm very much for, personally, I'm for um, individual rights, limited government, peace, um, tolerance, and free markets. And neither Biden or Trump support that. (laughs) So um, I'm going to be very much uh, I'm going to challenge these two candidates as I see fit. But really, the point of this podcast isn't so much about Trump as it is trying to break down this whole idea of win win versus win lose versus lose win, which I'm going to get through here. But Trump provided an interesting jumping off point because he referred to the veterans that lost their life as losers and as suckers, which again is 
mind blowing that he said that as, as a as a sitting president, as a, and also as a candidate for reelection. So it's interesting, too, because in the whole idea of win win, I mean, win win is trade, right? Like you go to your grocery store and you give them money and they give you food. And that's win-win. Uh, you win because you're getting food. They win because they're getting money, right? So it's it's a win-win relationship. Um, it's even true like with, with Apple. Like let's say you own an iPhone or in my case, I've got a... Um, uh, this is I, I need a new phone, by the way. This is a, a Samsung Note 8. It's an Android device. It's a gi- gigantic screen, which is why I bought it. But the next one I'm going to buy is going to be a smaller screen. But um, Samsung makes this phone. And when I bought it, it was a win-win. Um, I was better off coming out of that transaction. And so is Samsung. Same thing is true with Apple and an iPhone. You know, you you pay, you, you, you val- I valued this device far more than the amount of money I spent on. I think this cost me a thousand bucks. Oh my God. Um, but this is worth way more than a thousand dollars to me by the same token. When Samsung created this device and sold it to me for a thousand, did it cost them a thousand? No, it cost them far less. So when I gave them a thousand dollars, they won. And when I got the Samsung phone, I won. It's win-win. But it's interesting that some people still find that kind of trade, which is frankly capitalism, they find such trade to be immoral because, you know, those dirty, greedy corporations are making money. But I'm winning when I buy this. So if Apple is making money from it, good for them. You know, and Apple is now what by the most wealthy company on the planet. They have more cash on hand, I think, than the United States government. Um, So good for them. Um, They've been innovative and they've done great things for their customers and their customers are fiercely loyal. And the customers keep coming back because every time they come back, the customer keeps winning. And at the same time, so does Apple. So win-win is definitely, um, in my opinion, very moral. But some people still see it as immoral because they don't like it that the other person wins, um, which really then kind of gets down to why altruism, in my opinion, is so celebrated because altruism is lose win. Altruism is when you sacrifice um, yourself so that someone else can win. It's when you're essentially like a martyr. Um, out, lose win is being truly selfless, which is that moral ideal that many of us have been taught as young children. It's certainly a moral ideal that is being taught with many religions. I mean, I was brought up as an Irish Catholic and definitely um, selflessness was exalted um, as a very high moral position. Um, in fact, uh, you know, Jesus Christ dying on the cross is an ultimate sacrifice, saving mankind from um, original sin, the ultimate sacrifice. And you, so you see altruism playing out as a very strong morality throughout human history, not even just in the last 2000 years with Christianity, but even going back further. Um, and it's it's become virtuous to be selfless. It's virtuous to lose so someone else can win. But then you think 
does that really make sense? I mean, there's <laughs> there's a lot of people seeking psychological therapy because their life is in a shambles is because they put themselves last and they put other people ahead of themselves and then they end up suffering in life. Because people, I think, again, see the world as either your self-ish, which is a liar, a cheater, a stealer, or yourself less, which is you are sacrificing for others and doing good for others. And some people think that's being just being nice, like opening a door or helping an old lady cross the street. But selflessness really means that you lose so someone else can win. Um, but what's interesting is, is that many times people will hold up a case of a sacrifice as being virtuous, being, being very, um, uh, you know, being something worthy of praise. But really, many sacrifices really aren't sacrifices. Like consider being a parent. I'm a parent. I have two wonderful children. Many people think that being a parent is a sacrifice, that you're sacrificing part of your own life for your child. But really, being a parent is, be, is a win. <laughs> being a parent is what I want to do. This is what I wanted to do in my life. It's consistent with my own values. I get tremendous value, tremendous joy of being a parent. So for me, being a parent isn't a sacrifice. It's the opposite. I'm winning. Um, being, um, be, being in the military is another example. And we talked about the president Trump and the comments that he made being in the military is very much for, you know, if you're going in on your own free will, is it really a sacrifice? Cause people are going in cause that's what they believe in. They support the military. They support America. They support the values and, and the freedoms of what makes America special. They're, and they're also being paid, by the way. So are they sacrificing or are they just living their own values? Are they in pursuing their own happiness in, 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 in according to the, the values that are important to them? See, I think in many cases, being in the military, if you go in on your own free will, I, I don't necessarily see that as a sacrifice. I see that as a way to win and to live and, and to stand up for what you believe in. Um, some people think that um, donations to, to the needy is a sacrifice. But sometimes, most of the time, it's not. Because when you're making donations to people that need help, that makes you feel good about yourself. You win coming out of that. You feel good that you're doing something for others and it rewards you. That's win-win. At the same time, you may be helping people in your community which makes your community stronger, your community better. That's also a win for you. So a lot of times people like to think of it as altruistic and self-sacrifice, but really people are in it for their own reasons. They're in it to pursue what makes sense for them. And charitable donations and volunteering in their community is win-win. I mean, I was a little league coach. I was the president of our little league and I love doing it. Um, did I earn money doing it? No, but I got huge value out of that. Um, to me, it was a win-win. Did I sacrifice? You know, I spent my time doing it. Was I sacrificing my time? No, I was choosing how to prioritize my time. I saw volunteering for the Little League as a higher value of my time than doing other things. I found it was more valuable to teach 
other children and be a role model as a coach than spending my time doing other things. I thought it was important as a parent where my child was on the team to be a role model and a leader. To me, that was a win for me. That was valuable for me. So it's interesting how sometimes sacrifice really isn't sacrifice. Sacrifice truly is lose-win, where you lose so the other guy wins. But in fact, oftentimes that really is win-win. But then there's also the win-lose category. And these are people that they win at the expense of others. They win when the other person loses. If they see the world as a fix-some game um, and, and that they can only be lifted up by pushing other people down. This is my, one of my main core moral criticisms of President Trump because that's how he sees the world. He doesn't go around looking for win-win outcomes. He's more interested in win-lose outcomes. He's more interested in putting certain people down so he can be lifted up. That's why he made comments about every one of the people that has exited his um, administration. You know, he said he was only going to hire the best. And then the minute they turn on him, the minute they resign, he calls them losers and he calls them terrible. And you're like, wait a minute, (laughs) you said you were going to hire the best. Now you're telling me you hired the worst uh, and you've got to slam them in order to make yourself feel good, which I think is a sign of a fragile ego, a sign of weak character. Now, I'm of the belief and I've I've reoriented a lot of the way that I see the world to look at it as win win. Some would say that's transactional um, and that transactional is not the right way to look at the world. But really, everything we do is transactional to some degree that I'm doing this podcast because it's good for me. Um, I enjoy sharing my thoughts and comments. I enjoy the people we've met through this podcast. I enjoy um, the conversations and, and the, uh, the dialogue. Um, I'm, this podcast is helpful for me to build my own self-esteem and to um, feel good about the, the views that I'm expressing and to feel confident in what I'm doing. It's a way to overcome fear. You know, a lot of people would would struggle putting themselves on Facebook Live or YouTube Live because they wouldn't want to put themselves out there. I'm doing that to push myself, to force myself to grow and to improve and to be better. So for me, this podcast is very much a win-win. And the people that watch it and listen to it, they enjoy it. They win as well. The guests that come on this podcast, they win too. Um, When we've had political candidates, some of our uh, podcasts with political candidates have have had tremendous viewership, tremendous downloads of audio-only podcasts um, because they go about promoting it. It's good for them. It's good for me. It's good for the viewer, good for the listener. It's not just win-win. It's win-win-win-win. Those are the kinds of outcomes that are just worthy of praising. But win-lose... That that's that's a tough one. You you people don't want to do have relationships with with those that pursue win lose outcomes and the lose win outcome. Also, that's a tricky one. And that's where we get into religion and that gets sensitive. But even if you look at a lot of self-help books and people that are about self-improvement, a lot of that is about flipping that where you don't have to self-sacrifice yourself and put others ahead of you, you can find a third way. 
And the third way, it's not win-lose, selfish, lying, cheating, stealing. It's not lose-win, where you're taking the heat, you're taking the sword, you're 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 like holding the burden, carrying the water so someone else can win. There is a third perspective, and that's win-win, where you win and the other party wins and you both are better as a result. And to me, that is the right approach, the right moral, um, the right moral uh, approach, the right moral point of view is when both people, both sides are lifted up. So you see the political candidates especially at the national level, especially with President Trump, that sees it as win-lose, that that looks at dividing and conquering, splitting people up, rather than unifying people, bringing people together on a unifying set of ideas and morals and principles. That's what I'd like to see from political candidates. But we're often seeing the opposite. Now, at the local level, it's very different. The local level, I think people are in politics pretty much for the right reasons. I think there are some exceptions, uh, but at the national level, it's all about playing the game. In some cases, playing the media like a fiddle, like Arjun said. In some cases, it's um, playing the electorate, uh, pushing buttons. I think a lot of these talking points these politicians use are very, very calculated that are based on a lot of research um, that their team is doing because they know how to fire up certain groups and create enemies. And they know by creating enemies that reinforces their support amongst those that, that love them. Um, and you see this not just in politics, you see this in the media. Um, look at, and I'm doing a podcast, but look at some of the most popular radio talk show hosts that are out there, like Rush Limbaugh or Glenn Beck, or I mean, talk radio typically is more right wing than left wing, but the, they have huge audiences because they've been able to divide and conquer and they've been able to get support from people often by creating enemies. And that's that, that's a lot of what's happening in this 2020 race. The supporters of Biden don't necessarily love Biden. They just want to get rid of Trump. And the supporters of Trump, while there are certainly some that that really are, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid from Trump that love Trump. But I believe the majority of people that support Trump really don't support Trump. They just oppose Hillary, Biden, Obama, leftists, Democrats, progressives, Bernie Sanders. They just don't like any of that. So then they, they, they stick with Trump. And that's why they're willing to overlook a lot of these things that he says that are just so outrageous. And the media tries to keep throwing gas on the fire, trying to point out these flaws in Trump. But the media may be getting a, um, how should I say, an unintended consequence by throwing gas on the fire may just further embolden the Trump supporters. So this this election is fascinating. I think it's setting up right now that Biden should win, but we're seeing those gaps close, especially in the swing states. Of course, here in California, Biden is going to win in a, in a landslide of landslides. You know, Hillary won California by four million votes on a two to one ratio. Two-thirds of the people roughly voted for Hillary, and the other third in California voted for Trump. Um, I think we're going to see a similar outcome in 2020, where we're going to have a massive landslide in California. But in the swing states, we're seeing it kind of tighten up a little bit. And it's interesting. Um, And we we got, what, a couple of months to go until Election Day. 
We're not going to know the results until well after Election Day because the whole voting system is going sideways, which, again, is more button pushing, more distortion, more creating chaos and shiny objects and trying to manipulate the system, which is just shameful. Um, a couple other comments I want to get to. We're here about an hour, but um, again, I, I encourage you to share your thoughts, share your comments here on the live stream. Love taking questions, love hearing what you have to say, and I will read your comments on the air. Um, okay, so here's another interesting thing is you'll see, especially if you're scrolling through Facebook, a lot of leftists, a lot of progressives are very much against capitalism. You'll see a lot of attacks on capitalism. And of course, people promoting, uh, you know, um, democratic socialism. And a lot of times the attacks on capitalism aren't really attacks on actual capitalism because capitalism is about free markets and capitalism is about private property. But the Capitalism, I'll put it in quotes, is really cronyism that we're experiencing in America, where we don't have free markets. We have tariffs. We have regulations. We have all kinds of distortions in the market created by government. And we have government subsidies and government rigging the rules. So um, when you have taxpayer dollars that are tilting the economy, um, that's not um, private property either. It becomes public property. That's cronyism, where people are tilting the playing field using government as their coercive tool. Um, But it's funny that many people see capitalism as immoral because it's based on self-interest. But a free market is really all about voluntary cooperation. Think about it. Buyers and sellers get together and trade. Employers and employees get together and trade. They exchange labor for wages. Um, investors and companies get together to trade. They invest dollars in exchange for dividends and, and future value. Um, vendors and suppliers freely trade with businesses, um, exchanging goods for cash. So the free market and capitalism in, in its true sense, which is free market, is actually about cooperation, um, where Some people think of capitalism as selfish when, in fact, it's not. It's all about win-win outcomes. Um, That's what capitalism is about. Um, But some people see capitalism as predatory. But but that's not capitalism. The, the, The 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 economic system that's predatory is the kind that um, will will take advantage of certain people and coerce them. And we'll see that with cronyism. Like, for example, when taxpayers are forced to pay money to go into a trust fund of $500 billion that President Trump can hand out willy-nilly to any of his friends without any transparency, okay, that's cronyism. That's not capitalism. That is predatory. That's not about voluntary cooperation. So um, in a free market, corporations can compete, but they can't rig the market in their favor. Or if they can, it's, they have minimal impact because there's always an entrepreneur that's willing to come up with a better idea. You know, when Sony had the Walkman market, here comes Apple and Steve Jobs and the iPod that revolutionized the market. When Blockbuster was selling VHS, uh, VHS uh, rentals, 
Um, along comes Netflix, built a better mousetrap. So in a free market, you can't necessarily have a monopoly because monopolies are only when uh, when competitors are made illegal. So a free market is about win-win. And that's what I'm, this podcast is really about, is understanding how win-win is really moral. Win-lose is immoral. Lose-win, in my opinion, also immoral. Um, but President Trump sees the world as win-lose. And again, that's one of my main complaints of him. Um, here's another great example, and it's about Bill Gates. And Bill Gates, of course, the richest man on the, in, the, in the world or one, well, I think Bezos passed him, but Bill Gates, one of the richest for the long time, the richest man on the planet. And think about when Bill Gates was the president and CEO of Microsoft in the eighties and they came out with MS-DOS and, and then eventually they came out with Windows. Um, I remember it was Windows version one. It wasn't until what, 3.1 that it became more mainstream. And then Windows 95, where it really took off. I remember I had Windows version one on my computer and I loved it. And it was obviously using a lot of the same concepts of the graphical user interface of Apple. But when Bill Gates was building Microsoft, what did we think of Bill Gates? Did we see Bill Gates as this heroic figure? No. Um, Did we think of him as How do we think of him morally? We knew he was a businessman. We knew Bill Gates was successful. Bill Gates was amassing great amounts of wealth. Some people maybe judged him negatively because he was getting rich. Um, But as a business person, you know, morally, most people thought of him as just sort of, you know, meh. You know, he was he, he was wealthy, but. You know, they didn't really think of him too negatively. Some people saw him as greedy. Some people saw him as um, corrupt. But for the most part, people saw him as sort of meh. But the more wealth he gained, the more wealth he earned, then we saw more and more attacks on Bill Gates for the wealth that he earned, largely due to win-win transactions, free market transactions, where he sold product um, that other people wanted. In fact, he even gave away Windows Explorer for f- Internet Explorer for free, and he was condemned for it. Um, but he was out there, you know, obviously looking to create win-win outcomes for his customers and for himself. But it was interesting is that once Bill Gates stepped away from the business, and he and his wife Melinda created the Bill Gates and Melinda Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And they began giving away their money. Then what did people think of Bill Gates? Suddenly now, Bill Gates became a heroic figure. Bill Gates became um, someone to look up to because he was giving it away. Interesting. Um, well, you could, you could make an argument that the work Bill Gates did as president and CEO of Microsoft completely transformed not just the computer industry, but the global economy and created countless jobs, created wealth all across the planet, created far more benefit to society than the money he's giving away. But it's only when he gives it away that he suddenly becomes someone that is, we would consider to be moral. So, It's interesting is that while win-win, in my opinion, is moral, win-win is often condemned 
because win-win is about self-interest, which goes to capitalism, which then goes to the misinterpretation of selfishness as win-lose. But win-win, in my opinion, is moral. But society, though, because of culture, because of religion going back thousands of years, people still think that lose-win is virtuous. And in my opinion, it's not. (laughs) Um, But what Bill Gates is doing, it may be perceived by some people as lose-win, but really it's win-win. Because Bill Gates is giving his money for things that he believes in, things that he values. To him, it's a win. He's trying to create clean water and and, um, uh, sanitary uh, conditions in Africa. He's trying to help with the COVID um, uh, virus and the manufacturing of that. Um, But it's it's an interesting dynamic. I think there's a lot of conflicts in how people see win-win versus win-lose versus lose-win. And people will misinterpret what win-win as win-lose. People misinterpret lose-win as actually win-win. You know, so it's funny how you see the world through that lens and how different people have different views. I personally enjoy looking at it this way because it gets to the crux of it. It gets to understanding what's in your self-interest, not short-term self-interest, but what's in your long-term rational self-interest. What is good for you, not just now, but in the long run. And how do you do it in a way that's also a win for your partner? How do you do it in a way that is also a victory for your customer or your employee or your supplier or your investor or your community member? How can we craft win-win outcomes? And I think when we do that, we're better off. So a lot again that's why i this podcast i'm kind of freelancing a lot on this i'm spitballing a bit but this podcast i like to think of our higher ideal our higher purpose is this notion of our inalienable rights of life liberty and the pursuit of happiness and i think that that idea is really what makes america great that idea that we're all created equal that we're all equal under the law if you're religious, we're all equal in the eyes of God, but that we are treated equal by, by authority, by government. We're equal under the law and that we all have individual rights, equal rights, not special rights for this group and different rights for that group, but we all have equal rights to pursue our own happiness, to be in charge of our life, to be able to choose. Um, to me, those are righteous Ideas, And at the same time, respecting that the other guy has those same rights. They have their right to their life, the right to their liberty and a right to pursue their happiness. And when you understand that, that you're looking not only out for your rights, but protecting the rights of the other person, then you begin to see win win. If you're only worried about your own rights and you don't care about anyone else, then that's win lose. That's where you want to screw other people over. You want to cheat, lie, steal. Um, that That's win-lose. But when you can respect the rights of other people and pursue win-win outcomes, I think that is really what makes America great. Now, America has failed to live up to this standard, and we can make a long list, starting with slavery and going down the list, where our inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness have been outright violated. 
but most often they're outright violated by the government. The government, the entity that was created to secure those rights, says so in the preamble of the Declaration of Independence, that our inalienable rights are need to be secured by the government. But the government, interestingly, is the one that often fails. Okay, so we've been all over the place. <laughs> um, again, we had a great podcast with Frank Fournier um, uh, on Wednesday, on Monday, the 7th, which is, I guess that's Labor Day, right? Uh, Monday, the 7th, we're going to have Phil Factor. Um, he'll be here um, at uh, 2 p.m. And we're trying to stick to this Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 2 p.m. where we will live stream on Facebook and on YouTube. I will take your questions and to the best of my ability, integrate them into the conversation. Um, Arjun and Matthew, thank you uh, for your comments. And I encourage you all to try to look for me um, at two o'clock on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and let me, you know, let me have it. If you, if you think I'm not, if you think I'm utterly wrong, if you think of what I'm saying is flat out incorrect, immoral and terrible, let me know. In fact, if you go to my website, I have a special webpage for this. Go to johnreillyproject.com slash complaints, and I'll take your complaint and I'll read it on the air. Or you can leave it here in the, um, the live stream comments and I'll read it there on the air as well. And I'll comment back to you on your response. Okay. Um, so if you want to continue the conversation, uh, seek me out on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, Twitter, I'm, uh, at John Riley Poway. I do a lot of sports conversation and political conversation on Twitter, Facebook, um, on my John Riley project, Facebook page. I usually post these episodes. I have the special John Riley project insiders group where we kind of have, it's kind of the more of the hardcore fans of the podcast. And we have some interesting conversation there. You're, invited to join us there. You have to answer a few questions. I let everybody in, uh, but you can visit us there on the Facebook group, John Riley Project Insiders Group. Um, and hey, while you're at it, subscribe to our mailing list at johnreillyproject.com slash subscribe. You can get on our mailing list and we can have some more fun. Um, okay. I want to, I have a couple of quotes here that I want to share and they're all about win-win. And It's funny, you go online, you can get quotes, and there's all kinds of interesting quotes from some people. I don't really know who they are, but they're great quotes, so I'm going to share them. Uh, This first person, is his name's Oscar Bimpong, and he said, you build a great network by first offering your services to others and by doing so winning their interest. This is the foundation of building trust and creating a platform for them to invest in you in a reciprocal manner such that it becomes a win-win situation. That's exactly right. You know, sometimes I'll, uh, I'm at work and I have clients that I visit my clients on site. Sometimes we're doing these zoom calls, but Sometimes my clients will say, John, thank you. And I tell them, thank you. You help me. I help you. It's win-win. That's good. That's what relationships are based on is win-win, where we help each other. And here's another quote from Nabil Jamal. And he said, in a negotiation, we must find a solution that pleases everyone because no one accepts that they must lose and that the other must win. Both must win. That's true. In business, any you know, decent business person is not going to sacrifice their business so someone else can win. We see that in 
in other aspects of life. But still, hey, seeking win-win is righteous. It's moral. It's good. It's good for both parties in, in, in the transaction. And it's good for everyone around us. If we're pursuing win-win, we are lifting up. We are growing. We are, we are better off coming out of that transaction. And um, we have to identify cases of win-lose, like President Trump calling these veterans that lost their life in Europe, in World War, fighting for America, calling them losers, calling them suckers. President Trump sees the world as win-lose. That makes him fundamentally immoral, in my opinion, and why he shouldn't be supported. That doesn't mean you should support Biden. I don't support him either for other reasons. Um, But win-win is righteous. Win-lose is immoral um, and should be resisted. And lose-win, that's that's unhealthy. Lose-win is very unhealthy. And I think you need to be valuing yourself far more so you can transform a lose-win into a win-win where you are successful and you win coming out of that. Okay, so it's an hour and 15 minutes. We've been at this long enough, longer than I expected. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for watching. This is episode 157. Arjun and Matthew, thank you for participating in the comments. We invite you, all of you that are listening, are actually watching on the live stream on YouTube or on Facebook to share your comments and concerns. We'll be back here Monday, the 7th at 2 p.m. with Poway City Council candidate, Phil Factor, and it'll be a live stream. You'll be able to ask questions, and uh, we would love to have your participation. Thank you very much, friends, and have a great Labor Day weekend. See ya. Bye bye.